All right, folks, welcome to episode 62 of Biomast. And tonight we've got two reigning intercontinental heavyweight champions of the dust world that are going to do battle tonight for the role of CPM2, the erstwhile video game politicians, Pokey Draven and Zarya. So on to the, onto the show for the rest of the folks, since we're all going to be doing basically wrestling promos all night long. This is going to be beautiful. They just don't know it yet. They just found out that we're doing this as part of the show. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's all about dynamic gameplay. So with that, we're going to go ahead and start out with uh, some intros. And we do have a couple new people on, or at least one new guy, and then one guy who's coming back for his second round, which means we didn't totally scare him off. Now, uh, we will start at uh, in, a, in a very odd spot since we have an odd crowd here tonight in terms of mixed folks. So we're going to lead off with the one and only middle of the list, Sarizel. Uh, hi, I'm Sarizel, a member of uh, CPM1 and a co-host here on the show. Awesome. And Pokey? Uh, Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations. I'm a co-host here on the show. I write for the podcast and for the blog, and I am a running for CPM2. Yep, his name is The Running Man, because he's running late, and he's running for the CPM, and he's running from Zarya. It's awesome. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> Silver. <laughs> uh, Silver Strike 44, a member, member of Random Guns and Dust YouTuber. Wicked good, dude. All right. Heracles Porsche. Hi, everyone. This is Heracles Porsche. I'm an altaholic, uh, YouTubeaholic for sure, and newly minted member of Random Guns. And you've got the absolute best porn slash, uh, you know, awesome thug name that I've seen on Dust in a while. So well, thank you. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I thought that was pretty awesome. I, I totally thought that it was Zell trying to troll me when you when you emailed over. So it was pretty cool, man. We're really glad that you're on the show. We always like having new folks on. It's really uh, hilarious. My my old name, like my name for my other character, Guildenluck, apparently, like this was like ages ago. I, I remember when I joined some corp on him and there was like some person with like a similar sounding name. So this is like the second time in like Dust history that like just accidentally trolled the bejesus out of somebody just with my name alone. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you're going to fit in great here, so that's awesome. All right. So, Zario, how about you do a quick intro for us? Well, hi, I'm Zaria, um, CEO of Out of Heaven and CPM2 candidate. Awesome. And uh, let's see, folks. I am Jason Larison, the styling, profiling, LAV riding, dropship flying, kill stealing, lodgy repping, son of a gun. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and get started with a little bit of a CPM update. So, Sarizel, go ahead and take it away and tell us nothing like you usually do and then vanish from the podcast as per your normal method of operations. You know, I just I just try not to talk over everybody. My voice is terrible. I've been in this show for 62 episodes. Everybody knows all of my opinions and thinks they're terrible. So it's just, you know, how much do I actually have that I need to contribute on any given show? Whereas we get, like, new people in, like uh, Silver Strike's been in, what, one week before, and... Um, Heracles is new and stuff like that, so we let them talk. But uh, anyway, so we did. Uh, we we met with uh, CCP Rotati and CCP Frame um, last week. Um, we we're supposed to, I think, have CCP Rouge in there, but uh, we're gonna have to reschedule that. Um, but uh, it was it was just a, a kind of a general goodbye almost uh, to CPM One because we should be wrapping that up fairly shortly. Um, we talked a little bit about. Um, you know, what's uh, coming up in dust, and hopefully uh, there will be public updates on that in the near future. And uh, that's about it. 
Alrighty, and ladies and gentlemen, we have a special surprise guest coming in. If you'll draw your attention over to the right stage, the one and only Lethal Lether. That is the uh, most epic announcement I've ever had. Uh, apologies for being late, guys, but I am here. That's right, folks. We've got the most electrifying man in all of sports electronic entertainment. He's here with us today, Lether. He's a ball of energy, and he is also a, uh, a surprise, folks. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, and we're going to talk about it later in the show, Lether is actually in a movie, and it's going to be coming up, and I guarantee per probably everybody in Dust is going to see it. Uh, he is actually going to be in the Batman versus Superman movie, if, if you didn't know that. And we're going to talk, we'll talk a little bit about that. It's pretty cool having a, an actual Hollywood celeb here in the podcast with us, so this should be pretty good. All right, folks, now that we've got uh, the CPM update out of the way, what we would like to do uh, is go ahead and hop into our CPM2 uh, round of interviews. And we, tonight we've got uh, Pokey Draven and we've got Zarya, who's going to be with us. Uh, we're going to start off with Pokey. And again, this is uh, kind of a, an opportunity, a short segment where we let everybody hear a little bit about them uh, personally and about why they want to be a CPM candidate. Uh, and these are usually pretty fun. Uh, we have a, a go into a little bit of a little bit of a deep dive about uh, what they bring to the table as a CPM and sort of what their vision is. So, uh, with without further ado, we're going to bring up Pokey Draven. Uh, just go ahead and step up to the plate, Pokey. Uh, if you could do us a little bit of favor, tell us a little bit about yourself outside of dust and outside of biomass, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. So I'm a 27 year old guy. I live in Arizona. Um, I'm a designer at a solar panel company. So I do all the drawings for uh, solar panels on residential projects, and we do all the design and the electrical work, and then we send people out and install it. So it's it's pretty cool stuff. Um, for my recreational life, I play a lot of video games, probably more than I should, but I like to hop around different genres and styles. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Dust and Final Fantasy XIV lately. It's a nice way to relax. My job is pretty stressful, so it's good to kind of decompress at the end of the day and get lost in a typically fantasy or sci-fi world. Is it true that your favorite book is Fifty Shades of Tentacle? Um, yes, but the sequel is going to be much better. <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, so now you, you have obviously been a co-host here on Biomass from the get-go, uh, and you did run for CPM1 a year ago. Uh, you, I think you've, you came over from MAG originally, uh, and then you were here, I think, as early as open beta, correct? Uh, closed beta, actually. I came in at the E3 uh, closed beta event. I played Slay, and I think it's probably one of the first people to actually get in from the, the Slay codes there. So I, I got in that way, and then I farmed some codes and got a code for my EVE account, and I, I kind of passed it around the corp and whatnot. But yeah, I've been around for, hell, it's been over two years now, I think, since that, that time. Yeah, easily. So uh, let's kind of dive right into it. So if you could, just tell us a little bit about why you want to be uh, on the Council of Planetary Management, a.k.a. the CPM. Well, I've been around doing this probably longer than I should have, but uh, <laughs> I'm pretty well invested at this point. Um, I, I like to think I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders in terms of uh, design and, and rational uh, you know, the, the vision on a lot of things. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. A lot of the stuff we've seen recently, especially with Rattati taking the reins with, you know, balance and whatnot and, and seeing the, the big picture. So in that regard, I, I think I, I would actually do quite well. I've, I've actually kind of grown to love the community quite a bit. Um, 
over the past year or so since Retai took over. And it's it's been a real joy to start working with people. And I, I would love to do so on a, a deeper level because I think that it's it's really great to see people kind of coming out of the woodwork. I mean, every once in a while, I'll see someone I've never even heard of come out with this brilliant idea. Um, an example would be like the, the power core that we talked about uh, a few weeks back. And it was like, I've never even heard of this guy, but that's awesome. And, you know, so collecting that kind of feedback is, is something I've really grown to enjoy. And I really do, I do love it. So I would like to take that to the next level and, and hopefully be able to to do it in a more official capacity in, in terms of uh, the community and CCP. Okay, now that's that's pretty cool, man. And you, you obviously have a reputation for uh, being a bit of a, a spreadsheet ninja uh, or slash data ninja here amongst the Dust community. I, I think going all the way back to, uh, gosh, as, as, early as, as early as 18 months ago, I think was the first time I saw some of your work. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of the, the major things that you've proposed to, to directly to CCP or through the CPM in terms of some of the data builds that you've done? Like what, what are the one or two things that you're probably most proud of in terms of your uh, kind of your, your projects that you've laid on for Dust? Um, well, probably the most recent one that I really, really dug my heels into was uh, the vehicle rebuild. It didn't quite go exactly as I would have liked, but um, I think things went in a really good direction. I was very involved with that project. Um, probably more than I should have been. It was a, a pretty intense conversation from a lot of different directions. But, you know, I, I did a lot of work with that. I worked with a lot of people in, in crunching numbers and, and getting things to be in a in a way which hopefully will eventually evolve into, into something that, that works really quite well. Um, I've also done extensive work with uh, suit design in terms of slots, resource management, that sort of thing. Um, I was very pleased with the 1.2 update because pretty much uh, all of the stuff that I wanted to see that I've, I did work on pretty much it was exactly what 1.2 was so you know I was very pleased with that I I, I like to think that you know it, my input was was a part of that so you know that that was that was really cool um, but yeah I mean it's in, in terms of in data management I've I was involved with the PC rebuild I probably not as extensively as like Zarya was but I looked over some of the spreadsheets for Rotati and, and just tried to figure out if it all made sense and if what, you know, a bit of a sanity check. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> the way he does spreadsheets is a little different for me, but it was, it was good to kind of dig he, in there. Well, he and, is Icelandic, so. He's Icelandic and he's a, a finance guy. So community presentation is not exactly his forte, but you know, he, he actually does some, some pretty cool stuff with the, the sheets and whatnot. So I did well, enjoy that. I mean, I would say he's got incredible communication skills and his ability to size up the player base is incredible. I mean, he identified you as a little shit right out of the gate. It's true. It's true. His his judgment of character is spot on. It's just his his spreadsheets need a little more color and uh, and and polish. But you know the, it, the guy knows he, what he's talking if about. If he could put spreadsheets together with more angles and lines that go into directions that nobody can understand, I think it would it would just top things off for us. It, it is fun though to, to pick them up and go, "Wow, what the hell are you thinking?" And then when you actually do figure it out, it's actually pretty enjoyable to see what's it's, coming it's up. Literally with. like watching an abstract painting. I, I fully understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. At, at some point, the light goes off. You're like, "Oh, holy shit! That's like that's like a." Rose, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a, a little bit about you in game. Um, you are the CEO and the proprietor of uh, OSG Planetary Operations at Dust Corp. So you're a longtime CEO. Uh, you've got some uh, PC experience. Uh, what kind of stuff do you like to play in game when you're just rolling solo in a small group? Like, what are the, the roles or the racial types that you enjoy playing the most? 
Um, I do a little bit of everything. I like to switch around depending on the situation, but I have to say, especially with the recent changes to the suits, I've really uh, grown absolutely in love with the commandos. I think that they've they've become really fantastic. So I've been rolling with the, the Mimitar and the Galenta Commando a lot, and I, I would say that's probably my favorite uh, playstyle right now, but I, I do like to, to hop around and, and try different things and try to get a feel, because I don't like to comment on things that I see in the forums unless I've actually tried it myself, so I, I do like to be a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, but but yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's pretty interesting, and, and I, I think there's a few other folks that are uh, directors or officers in their, uh, in their course that are running, but you, I think you might be one of the few actual CEOs, uh, full proprietors of a, uh, of a corp. So I did have one question for you on that in terms of like where you see things uh, going in terms of the direction for corps and alliances. Are you happy with what they're doing so far? Or do you think that there's going to need to be some significant refreshes as we move in into the kind of the next phase of dust, particularly with the new PC dropping soon? Well, I, I think especially with PC dropping, um, having a proper alliance support for dust is absolutely essential. Um, you can't actually join an alliance through the dust client, which means that you have to have somebody on the east side that actually has a tune that they can actually use to join. Um, and that makes things really difficult. The court management tools are still pretty terrible. Um, I maintain an Eve character solely to run the corporation because it's such a pain to do it through the dust client. So I think particularly, like I said, with PC, where you're hopefully having more interaction between Eve and you're dropping orbitals and whatnot and, and running logistics like that, you really need to, to amp up that accessibility in terms of uh, the dust client and letting people actually access the tools that are available to Eve people because they are really essential because for those of you who haven't actually tried to do anything on the corporate level through the dust client, it is like pulling teeth. I mean, I I actually don't really play Eve that much anymore, but I still pay for the tune because it's, it's, it's worth it to me to have those enhanced tools. And I think that we need to bring some of that to dust so I can hopefully cancel my Eve account. Okay, well, that's fair. And, and since we're on the uh, the corporate note, can you talk to me a little bit about how you try to overcome your communistic tendencies and your, your desire to tax your player base inside your corp uh, until they, they literally crack from the weight of, uh, you know, oppression? Well, it's really simple. You basically ramp up the taxes to 100% and you let it sit there for a couple of weeks and then you lower them by 10%. So you're sitting at like a cool 90 and they think that you're doing something great for them, but you're still actually pulling in pretty good revenue. So it, it's worked pretty well for me, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure me and Cross are going to see you about that shit here soon. I, I, you know what? I, I give you guys good medical care, so it's all right. Be careful <laughs> if you go to FanFest, man. Cross, <laughs> Cross and Jay will be there. They'll get you. I, I would love to meet you guys in person. <laughs> that's, that's how you know. That's that's how regime changes happen. Is uh, hey, the hey, leader goes out in public and they don't get they they, they don't make it back. I'll, I'll find myself in Icelandic alley and there'll be a welcome to New Eden as the the golf club hits my kneecap and I go 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 blank. Well, no, yeah. I mean, generally, I kind of work off of the uh, sub-Saharan African model of if there's going to be a coup, it's got to be before two. So anytime I was around uh, Africa, as long as once you get about two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, basically, people were like, fuck it, we'll just go drink, we're going to do something else, you know, because they were already had other things in their agenda. So as long as you could get past, you know, the morning and lunchtime and there was no coup occurring, you're fine. So no coup before two, you're good. Now, anything after that, eh, it's a little shady. So um, <laughs> so I, I guess a, a couple uh, a couple other questions that I wanted to lay out for you. Um, one of the things that uh, is obviously out there that... Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's not really even an elephant in the room. It's just something everybody understands uh, that dust eventually is going to need to, to migrate somewhere else or do something else, or, or it's, 
literally going to die for real this time. Um, so what are your thoughts on hopping into uh, the PS4 or the PC? Do you have a preference or what do you think uh, sort of the, the down the road needs to be for Dust in terms of uh, what would best serve the player base perhaps and then maybe what would best serve CCP? Acknowledging both may not be the same. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a real tricky question. I mean, for me personally, I, I have both. So it doesn't really matter to me as a, as a singular player. But I think that there's there's a, it's a really tough situation. Cause, I mean, obviously, CCP is very familiar with um, the PC. They've been developing on it for 11 plus years now. And so I think that in terms of you know development potential, they're going to be most comfortable on the PC. That being said, the player base, while small, is gone through and stuck with this game through a lot of shit. And I, I think t- to jump to PC would be really bad. I think that would it would definitely be an abandonment of a lot of the player base. And, and that's not to say that, that a lot of the current players wouldn't have an issue going to PC. I think that there'd probably have a lot of PC players out there. But, I mean, it, it will cause rift. And I, I would really hate to see that. I think that would be terrible because there are a lot of really great people out there. I mean, I know you yourself are not a PC player. Um, and it would obviously really suck to, to have the game move in a direction where you would be unable to play it, basically. Um, so, I mean, for me, ideally, I think that it would be best for the game if it could be on both. And, you know, I, I think that would that would certainly offer up, uh, regardless of what order that happens in, but I think if it was supported on both, that would probably be best in my personal opinion. Now, I mean, it's important to understand that CCP is going to approach this from an entirely business standpoint. So my opinion is pretty irrelevant and they're, they're going to do what works best for them. And, you know, I hope that it's going to be both. I think that would be great, but I mean, people have to understand that they're going to make a hard choice and some people make it screwed and it sucks, but that's just kind of a, a hard truth we might have to, to accept. So, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, I, I hope for the best is really the end of it. Okay. Well, and I appreciate that. So uh, kind of the last thing I'd, I'd, I'd sort of like to close with uh, before we kind of give you a little bit of time uh, for your inner monologue to become an external monologue and uh, kind of give us your, your Hamlet pitch on why you should be the CPM. Uh, I'd like to go kind of, kind of go through a very quick lightning round. So I'll give you a quick question with a couple of options and you give us your gut reaction to it. Uh, and then we'll kind of cycle through a few of those and then we'll, we'll uh, kind of leave you a little bit of open mic time. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay. All right. You ready? Yep. Batman or Superman? Batman. Okay. All right. You successfully passed that test. Uh, rail rifle or combat rifle? Uh, combat rifle. You failed. I'm sorry. It's okay. Shields or armor? <laughs> uh, I tend to prefer armor. I run Galente, though, because I like a little mix of both. Okay. All right. So you dual tank, and that's a sin. Very, yeah, very well. I know. I know. I'm a bastard. I get it. Who are the two players on the Dust forums that you can most count on uh, for solid advice and information? Uh, that would be Jason Larison and Cross2. Okay, you've passed that one as well. Uh, who are the two players on the Dust forums that you can least count on for productive uh, advice and or commentary? Uh, Sarizel and Sarizel. Oh, excellent. Uh, that, that's good. So uh, one, of, one of my final wrap-ups here. Of all of the CPM2 candidates, what are your true thoughts on Kane Sparrow? Um, I, I think he. I think it's great that he's running again. Um, it's probably going to be a rough, uh, a rough path for him since he's got the whole DNS thing, you know, haunting him. But you know, I think he'll he'll be a good contender. It'll be uh, it'll be really good to see how well he does, and you know, I hope the best for him. I don't like you people right now. 
Oh God! All right, so uh, more on to, on to some more serious stuff. Um, paper or plastic? Paper. Okay. All right, I can work with you then. You're at least somewhere sound on the environmental picture. Um, okay, and name your single most favorite skin in all of Dust. Uh, it's the the, the the dead sin skin. I mean, there's there's really no competition there. I mean, the rest of the skins shouldn't even bother existing in comparison. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to drop the mic. I, I think we should probably elect Pokey by acclamation at this point. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm not biased at all, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, we do appreciate you. Uh, I, I would say we appreciate you coming on the show and being a good sport about it, but you're always kind of here and you kind of have here to anyways. Be. Yeah, I don't really yeah. have a choice. They forced me to come. So it, it's and, and that's okay too. Um, but seriously, I, I do I do appreciate you taking a minute to kind of let let folks know kind of who you are and where you stand on a few few different things. Uh, so what we'd like to do, like we do with all the CPM two wannabe hopefuls, I'll give you a, a little bit of time if you can give uh, about a uh, kind of thirty second to one minute uh, kind of pitch on why you think you would be a good representative for the community and a a good value add for. CCP as well as a CPM2 member. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, I like to think I'm a pretty rational guy. I take, I, I react very well to people who can offer up uh, very rational and well thought out um, feedback. I don't like people who are emotionally driven and screaming and demanding things. I think it's bad feedback, but if you're the kind of person that likes to offer up, you know, good, well thought out feedback that's going to actually be useful for something. I would love to talk to you. I think I, I do a pretty good job representing you because that's the kind of feedback I like. That's the kind of feedback I like to give. Um, and yeah, I think I've got the experience, and the technical know-how to, to really represent the game and, and help it continue moving in a good direction. So vote for me, please. Thank you. Well, yeah, and we do appreciate you coming on. And before we bring Zarya up, my last piece of advice, if you would level up your shit factor to five instead of two, you would stop being a little shit and be a big shit. I'm so, working on it. <laughs> all right, folks, we're going to transition over to uh, Zarya. And she is also a longtime Dust player and a, uh, a, a corp leader as well. Uh, and we've had her on the show quite a few times, and we thought it would be really cool if we could go ahead and uh, have her on uh, on one of our final shows here, at least uh, before I take off, uh, and we turn the interviewing reins over to somebody else. Uh, so, Zarya, if you don't mind, could you give us a little bit of uh, intro to yourself uh, beyond us? Like, what do you, what are you a little bit in uh, in the real world, so to speak, and maybe other games that you play? Um, what am I in real world? Uh, boring, mostly. Um, <laughs> that's that's um. I don't. I, I really don't know what to say. Um, okay. I, it's. Um, I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. I play video games. I read. I. Um, I'm a huge sci-fi and fantasy fan. You know. Um, sure. I do music. I love. I love live music. So those are the things I kind of you know gravitate around. Okay. Um, now I'm. I'm going to guess by your uh, incredibly subtle accent that you're somewhere on the European continent. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm in Finland. I've uh, been here home my, my whole life. Um, oh, excellent. The home of Angry Birds. Well, obviously, that is the thing we're known for. I mean, that's better than being known for the Dudesons, I guess. But well, you are well known. you're well known for licorice candy, which, by the way, I actually have finished licorice candy, like, about three feet away from me, believe it or not. Well, I'm happy someone's eating it, so I don't have to. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, that's not <laughs> all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> no, um, no, not a fan. Well, no, but uh, it is pretty cool that I think uh, you would be one of our, 
non-North American candidates, and there's not too many of those out there. Uh, we started mm -hmm. out with a non-North American CPM last year, and that didn't work out too well. And I think it would be really good if we could have some folks outside of the continental United States also on the council. So I, I do appreciate uh, some other folks running, uh, at least that would fill that bill. Well, there's Danny at least. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he's he's done a fine enough job. So I'll, we're I'll not all failures. Well, I mean, you know, um, well, okay, I'll take you, I'll take your cue on that. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, a little bit about you inside desk. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the, uh, the corp that you're running and sort of your history or your sort of your chops there for dust? Like, what are you known for? Um, well, yeah, I'll do a quick run up to how I actually ended up on dust and how I ended up where I am right now. Okay. Um, I'm not an FPS player. I mean, Dust is the first uh, FPS that I've ever really, really gotten into. I wasn't really much of a gamer per se, you know, as far as video games went, up until I I got really into the Mass Effect series. I got introduced by a friend, and I basically um, took over his PlayStation, um, you know, every time he let me <laughs> to play that game, play Mass Effect 2 and then Mass Effect 3. And it was from the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer that I met some really cool people playing online, which I didn't actually expect was possible because, you know, as far as I knew up until then, the internet was full of crazy people. That hasn't changed, really. But, I mean, there's some crazy nice people as well. And um, the people I played that with uh, got into the Dust Beta and dragged me along with them. And I eventually realized that I needed to get my own PS3 because I actually wanted to, you know, play Dust more than every couple of days. So that's how I ended up on Dust. Um, originally, I was in a, like, during the beta, um, early open beta as well, I was in a really small corp of just a handful of friends who mostly knew each other from the Mass Effect days. Um, but then... That was that started to be not that active anymore, and I was meeting new people, so I kind of migrated over to a larger corp that was a little bit more active and had a little bit more, um, they wanted to go a little bit further. So I kind of, you know, that as a stepping stone, I ended up in Seraphim Initiative. That was my first, you know, so-called competitive corp. That's how I entered PC with them. So I've been in NPC since the start. Um, been in a couple of big corps. Circumstances have led me to, uh, you know, had to look for a new home a couple of times. So I was in leadership in AE. Then I was in team players for a while um, until um, team players, for the most part, ended up retiring. Even the the ones that were still, you know, still around after the uh, tournament era. Um, and now I'm in outer heaven and don't actually ask me how I ended up being the CEO. Um, very complicated, but someone needed to take the reins and here I am. <laughs> okay. Well, no, that's actually a pretty, uh, a pretty interesting journey. And you named off several kind of, kind of a who's who of, uh, you know, upper level you know, sort of upper tier elite, uh, elite corps there. So even though you say that you're not really a, uh, or weren't really a first person shooter, like you obviously have a, uh, a certain amount of skill at the game, which is, I think is good. 
Uh, another thing that you do definitely bring to the table is a, a pretty serious history with uh, PC. So I think that in and of itself gives you a lot of different things that you uh, you could talk about. Now, I, I did want to ask you a couple of questions. It's it's kind of well known that you are a logi du jour uh, in terms of your, your personal gameplay, but what are the other things that you enjoy doing in-game outside of maybe logi play? Well, obviously... Um... Obviously, I've kind of branched out from just being a Lodgy, mainly because, you know, more SP to spend on other things, you know, gives you an opportunity to try different things. Um, so I would say currently I spend at least as much time in an assault suit or a scout suit or a commando suit than I do in a Lodgy suit, simply because I choose what I'm doing based on what the circumstances are, what the how the game is going, or just kind of what I feel like doing. Um, so I, I think I have a fairly well-rounded uh, approach to the game currently. Um, so yeah, it depends on who I'm running with, what the squad is doing. If the squad doesn't need a support logi, I'm mostly not going to bother with a support logi. I'll do something else like, okay. you know, run around with a scout or, or an assault. No, that, that's good. So uh, I, I think we've got a really good picture of kind of you as a player right now. And I was, I'd like to kind of transition over to kind of our normal question, which is, why do you want to be a CPM member? Well, um, well, I think that the CPM is still an important part of the of the Dust community. I think the CPM can still help both CCP and the community as far as growing the game and you know keeping us all going is concerned. And because of that, and I I thought. I thought I could be a productive member. That is really why why I'm running. Um, I want to see the game keep going. I want to see the game, you know, move on to the next next stage, whatever wherever that is going. And if I can be the if I can be one of the people helping it get there, whether it is as a CPM member or just as a member of the community, um, I just want to do my part. <laughs> Okay. No, I, I think that's that's a pretty good thing. Just your willingness to help out is uh, is something that's sorely needed, and bringing a certain level of experience and personal uh, personal gameplay is good. And also your ability to communicate, I think, is uh, is is uh, pretty solid. I've seen you engage on the forums as well, and I've seen you engage in Skype numerous times and in game. And I've I've at least uh, tacitly found you to be a pretty approachable person. So I'm kind of curious what. Um, like other than probably just the Skype channels that we're in and things like that, like how, how can people get a hold of you? How would you like to reach out to the community? Would it be through the forums? Would you want to do YouTube or kind of more personal, uh, you know, kind of open the squad finder up and then just like talk to players on a, on a basis? How would you want to engage with the community? Well, um, yeah, YouTube is definitely out for me. I don't have the hardware to, you know, do a YouTube channel. Um, so, I mean, there are other people doing that. There's a, uh, so I don't really feel the need to go into that. Um, other people. Other people like other Silver. people. I mean, hey. better people than me for that purpose. Anyway, um, no. I'm available on Skype. Um, no. I uh, I posted my um, Skype name in the um, in the candidate interview on Biomast. I'll post that on the forums once the you know official official uh, candidate threats are uh, available or we can do those. Um, so I can be poked through Skype um, in game. 
Um, it's not that hard to send an in-game in mail um, if you have a question and if we need to take it to another forum for easier conversation or just get me get me voiced up in a chat and tell me what the problem is or what you want to talk about or what sort of feedback you want to give me or what feedback you want to give CCP if I'm in a position to pass it along I'll happily do it um, but yeah in-game and Skype are probably the easiest. Forums are good for more general conversation with lots of people involved. Um, if you want to specifically talk to me, the forums aren't necessarily the best place to, you know, talk to me specifically. It's more of an open forum. Okay. No, I think that's pretty cool. So I, I would like to kind of uh, move over to a couple more uh, kind of specific technical questions or and just kind of get your thoughts or, or kind of where your head's at on some of these different topics in game. And let, that'll let folks kind of get a sensing round of kind of where you're at on some of these things. So uh, a lot of discussion, obviously, about Warlords 1.2, which we're going to get into a little bit later in the show. Uh, but I'm kind of curious, what are the the things that you think that CCP Rattati and, and the dev team have done over the last like three months or so? that is most impactful to Dust? Like, what do you think is really touching the majority of the player base, no matter where they sit, from PC vet all the way down to new, new person? Well, definitely the the widest impact that I see is the is this changes to slot layouts. Um, obviously, the commandos getting that, that one slot, um, but more importantly, the uh, word, word, can't think of the word, um flattening flattening thank you thank you flattening the slot layouts uh across the tiers that's an i think that's a really really big change that's definitely going in the right direction and i that's the that's the biggest impact that i've seen um now to be fair as purely for the high-end pc players that's they don't really care but i mean the majority of the community will definitely benefit from that definitely have already benefit from that so i'm i was really glad to finally see it get into game okay all right so now i'm going to ask you just kind of a couple things like what what is your do you have any like racial suits that you really really prefer uh do you think that there's one that's clearly kind of your go-to um i would have maybe a year ago i would have said minmatar but um, I've, it's always been between Minmatar and Galente, really. Once I, the, my first suit was the Minmatar Logi, um, obviously, because that was the only Logi suit in the, in the beta. And then I kept going with it once Uprising came out. But my second suit was a Galente suit. And it's kind of been, you know, between those two. I've dabbled into Kaldari suits as well. Um, but they just don't interest me as much. So it's, it's a mix between Minmatar and Galente, really. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. Um, so just a random question that you see, there's a lot of uh, continued discussion about where light weapons are. And I know you're kind of a logic player, so this is where I'm trying to uh, tease out where your thoughts are on the lethality <laughs> part of the first-person shooter. Uh, where do you think the, the general racial light weapons are? Do you think they're balanced? Do you think there's tweaks that they need to make? And I'm not really trying to hold you to anything, just trying to get your general thoughts on it. Well, I don't think they're necessarily at this moment balanced um, uh, against each other, as far as the different different races are concerned. They're in a they've been in a much worse place than they are now. Historically, there have been worse times. Um, there are some outliers currently 
that I think need, need to be looked at. But overall, they're fairly okay. I personally am of the opinion that Time to Kill in Dust is slightly too short. But that's as an average, not necessarily, you know, two proto suits in a, you know, 1v1 gunfight uh, with rifles. That, that Time to Kill is fine. Probably might be too long in some circumstances. But the average time to kill in the game is a little little too low to my taste. But it's not something I am, you know, too up in arms about because it's it's a it's in a decent place as far as the rifles are concerned, I think. Okay. Alright. No, I think that's pretty fair. Um all right. So and generally, I, I did have one kind of big question for you that was uh, kind of our last technical question, then we'll kind of move into the lightning round, similar to what we did with the Pokey. Um, it, so in terms of map design, and this is actually something that I've seen, you know, episodically come up in the forums and in chats with folks in game. Uh, what do you think are the number one, or let's go, the top two issues with map design and dust general and the top two things that they get right? So too bad, too good uh, reference map design. Um, shit. Um, okay, well, in general terms, I think the maps are a little bit... Um, once again, word, word. Um, well, there's a lot of open areas to cross with not not like not a lot of cover. I don't I, I think I would like there to be more maps that have a little bit more variation in terrain that isn't like flat, 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 and then you know, straight up to a hill. Uh, I, I'd like there to be a little bit more variation in the maps so it's not a socket that's you know indoors, CQC and then just flat terrain around it. Um, that's my main thing that I don't think where the where the map design is a little bit lacking in dust. It's um it's very uniform. Um, so more variation would be nice. On the other hand, uh, the more recent, uh, the later additions, as far as the particularly the outpost or the socket designs are gone uh, have gone. Uh, they've done a really good job of adding adding that variation. There's height differences. There's more in entrances and exits. It's not just like you know, one one door or one corridor. Um, there's there's more things to do, but that's still very much um, concentrated as far as the, the large and medium sockets are. And there's very little that happens between them that isn't just covered by one rail rifle kind of looking into the distance and killing everything it sees. No, I think that's that's pretty fair. And this is and the reason I ask that question generally is because it's uh, it kind of ta also ties back to the light weapon discussion and your time to kill comments. It's the uh, the game in and of itself. I mean, it's really about uh, closing into a very small space where pa the panels are, and then flipping the panels and holding them or taking mm -hmm. them or whatever. Yeah. So you're driven to the CQC fight, uh, and it's how do you get uh, sort of a mixture of CQC and sort of open maneuver and things like that, so that you don't have mismatches in the weapons. Like you know, if if, if you're in a CQC fight, plasma rifle works pretty good. If you're in an open environment, it doesn't, and then you can kind of go vice versa with some of the other ones. Yeah, and uh, I agree, and that's why I think there should be a little bit more, more variation. Uh, so it's not just the extreme. So if you're near the objective, CQC is the thing to go for. But if you're traveling between them, you need to have the longest ranges available to you. And I, I'd like there to be a little bit more variation. And like I said, some of the newer outposts have have done a better job of, 
you know, making the longer range uh, weapons more relevant in the in those areas as well. But I don't think the opposite is true for the um, for the you know between them areas really. No, I think that's a that's a very very valid comment. The uh, it, it's kind of one one of those things for me is just it's you got to have enough points in the map so that people can play the style of game that they kind of want to play. So I do appreciate that. Now uh, let's go ahead and, and hop onto the lightning round. Okay. Okay. Alrighty, here we go. Um, beer or wine? Wine. Red or white? White. Okay. Jaguar or Corvette? Um, as I'm not really into cars, I'll pick the cat. Oh, that's that's that's, that's a devastating blow. Uh, of all of the get uh, of the hosts on Biomast, who sucks the worst at dust? Um. I haven't actually ever seen Soraya play, so it's really hard for me to judge. That should be an indicator. Fairly. I'm really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, so I'll I'll take his word on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is the corporate tax rate of Outer Heaven? Zero percent. Do you have any room for lodgies? Always for my pros. Frickin' turncoat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Summer or winter? Um, summer. Ooh, okay. All right, I can kind of work for that. Okay, summer here because it's it's temperate. It's moderate. Uh, yeah, it's okay. All right, I knew you were going with that. Okay. You've got to bear in mind the region here. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's fair enough. Okay. So, uh, who's got a better haircut, Soraya or Cross? Ooh, Cross, obviously. I don't even know why Thank you're you. asking that. No, <laughs> I just I'm on a roll here. It's it's okay. Okay, just, okay. Just go, with okay. Me. go on, go on. <laughs> okay, uh, burst AR or the assault burst roller. AR. Ah, yeah, going with the Glinte, huh? Okay. All right, so heavy no, that's scout my, suit. Um, scout suit, but I was just going to say that's my most used weapon currently is the Burst AR, so that was a kind of a no-brainer. Okay, all right. No, that's that's pretty legit. That's pretty legit. Uh, MagSec or SMG? SMG, because that's the one of those two that I've actually used. Okay, well, no, that's fair. Uh, all right, so I think I think we've kind of uh, rounded out our lightning round real quick. Uh, and what I'd like to do is we're going to transition over and kind of give you a little bit of a soapbox where you can tell us uh, whatever you want to tell us about why folks uh, should vote for you as a uh, CPM member. Uh, and we're going to give you about 30 seconds to one minute. Kind of just you can take your time. That's actually plenty of time to, to chat. Uh, so the floor is yours, Zaria, and let us know anything you want to know about why we should vote for you. Well, I mean um... – you should definitely vote for me because Cross told you so. Um, however, if that's not enough of a reason, I mean, there must be some people out there for that for whom that's not enough of a reason. Um, I would like to be considered as, you know, your CPM um, uh, representative because because of um, because of my uh, conduct on you know the forums in the game just. Look at me. Look at who I am. Look at what I do. Um, I really don't want to be voted in just because I'm a Logi or because I'm a PC player. And I wouldn't want to be not voted in just because of those two things either. I think those are just the window dressing. Um, it's more about who's capable of actually discussing points, who's capable of of uh, conveying feedback and doing it in a way that actually um, works. And I think. I think I'm capable of that. 
I've been told by other people that they think I'm capable of that. But in the end, um, I just want everyone to judge for themselves. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we sincerely appreciate you coming on and taking a little bit of time to do your uh, CPM interview. And if you'll check out the biomass.com blog, folks, you'll also see her uh, kind of blog version of an interview, slightly different format and some different questions than what you see here, as many of our folks do. Uh, but I tell you, it's always it's always good that when people will actually care enough to hop on and then try to talk straight out to the uh, to the folks out there in the gaming community about why they should represent you. So uh, a big kudos to Zarya and big kudos to uh, to Pokey. Uh, I think two of the definitely two of the uh, the better candidates we have in terms of their ability to uh, express ideas, communicate written and verbally. And frankly, it really it, it really speaks a lot speaks well that we have some really high quality candidates that are still interested in supporting the game. So we appreciate Pokey and Zarya coming on. And now uh, we are going to go ahead and uh, hop on to more of the free-flowing gladiator pit style part of the show. Uh, we've got a couple things we're going to tee up for you. Primarily, we're going to talk a little bit about the Warlords 1.2 drop and sort of everybody's sort of general uh, thoughts and impressions of Warlords 1.2, kind of the good, the bad, and the buggy. Uh, and then we're going to kind of move on to some more pop culture stuff and talk a little bit about the infamous San Diego Comic-Con. And But before we do that, Sarizel. What did you think about the CPM2 interviews? Um, it doesn't matter what you think, Jabroni. All right. He lined that up there. Okay. I get uh, you got you to work with me, man. I've been watching a lot of wrestling promos lately. I, it's I, okay. I, I can tell. I get that impression. Oh, yeah, brother. So let's go ahead and hop right into Warlords 1.2, guys. What do you think? What do you think? How is it working out to working out for you? I, I, I hear that the slot, slot layout thing is actually working out pretty good. Uh, some concerns with the uh, Apex suits, you know, a little bit of this, that, and the other. I know there's been some humorous bugs going on, but just generally, guys, what do you think? I like it. We should, we should okay. have 30 seconds of, of, of random insults for the various small broken things in the progression system, or else we'll get so sidetracked later. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll tell you what, that, that's, that is a fair, that's a fair shot. Lether, since you opened up the gate, go ahead. Give me, give me your best. Bad fits. The layout is just kind of weird and clearly, you know, a little bit broken. That's all I got, but I figure everyone probably has something. And if we don't consolidate it, it'll be interesting. Were you, were you going to complain about the officer suits? I, they are, they're currently that, bugged right of, now. In what way? The um, they're all they're all missing something. Um, like for instance, my Logi Bros is missing uh, a high slot and a low slot. So basically, it's just exactly like a regular proto suit, but with they, more PG CPU. They pretty so. much all defaulted to their equivalent proto suit slot layout. So the Rattati Assault, I think, is the only one that wasn't affected because it it didn't have any extra highs or lows or equipment. It just had two uh, light weapon slots, and it still has those two light weapon slots. Anyone think it's weird Rattati got off, but everybody else got nipped? I don't think the, it's weird. The, I the think Rattatis, he's laughing, laughing his ass off. The, the Rattatis did lose an equipment slot, actually. Oh, it, it did? It, it had bugged. a second yeah. equipment slot? Yeah, did, see, yeah, see, I never, I never used one of those. But it still has those two light weapon slots, so it's one of the least affected ones, I guess. Yeah, well, they're all affected. I think the Scotsman didn't get any negative. I could be wrong. I think it just... Yeah, I think Scotsman didn't lose anything. I just have one thing to say. Would you guys like to buy an Apex Serpent Scout? Oh my god, dude. <laughs> oh, so many I people got scammed. 
Can, can I buy that from Kane Escrow Service? The most trustworthy and completely non-scamming service in the entirety oh, of Delta. <laughs> we, we can no longer trade it. I wonder why. Yeah, well, people with those... By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to I'd like trading to know that uh, could Kane Sparrow is issues. the Bobby the Brain Heenan of Dust, just for the record. Um, but yeah, no, people knowingly messing with the, the suits that you can get for free because of the... the uh, could get in some deep trouble, so, so don't so, mess with it. So CCP screwing up a claim function gets other people in trouble. Gotcha. Obviously, it, it could. If you're, if you're, if you obviously know that it's a flaw and you're obviously exploiting it anyways, um, yeah, it can. CCP doesn't create bugs; they just add features. Well, you know, the problem is people have sunk could have sunk either ISK or SP to get those things. I don't think you actually needed too much SP to get a hold of those five free Apex suits. But I mean, you know, people could be out a certain amount of SP or 10 million, the 10 million is scam, whatever. And, you know, there's no way to get that back. Yeah, well, but I mean, like, the, they have to do something about it because the problem is that if someone else paid real money for that suit and then you're getting it for free, then it's, you know, the people yeah. who are pay, they're paying customers are getting screwed. And obviously that's not okay. Or so. crazy LP grinders like myself. Yeah. So yeah, it will get dealt with. It should they should end up removed, and people who are trying to hide them will probably lose them and lose other things. Well, like CCP the Retati, sorry, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. CCP Retati made it sound like it was going to be his personal mission to hunt down every single serpent scout. I well, wouldn't put it past him, man. I wouldn't put it past him, man. When Retati <laughs> gets on an angle, he goes after it. I don't doubt it. My curious thing is going to be when people sold, if people sold those suits off to somebody else, um, and then what happens, like, does the suit then get disappeared, and then what happens to the ISK, or because it's going to be a heck of a large task to go through and try to go and reverse a whole bunch of transactions. Well, you know what's going to happen. They're not going to fix it. Like, they don't have the capacity to fix it. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't it's not expect, a question. I wouldn't expect to get, that people will get their ISK back if they bought a suit that was illegitimately gained. Except except the person who bought the suit obviously would not be aware of it, potentially. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's that's just probably the way it's going to happen, would be my guess. No, well, the, the, thing with, the problem with that is that the people who claimed them and probably unless they were really really um you know slow on the uptake knew that it was a it was a glitch and they weren't supposed to actually get five of them for free and sold them they'll lose the suits that they kept but they'll keep the isk that they sold them for so they're still gaining from that unless they get banned yeah except where's the eula violation and them actually hitting a claim button that ccp put in the game yeah exactly um, I, I guess there's there there may be some precedent in terms of the way Eve has handled uh, exploit abuse before. I mean, arguably most game exploits that Eve has had in its history are are exploits that you are technically capable of doing entirely within the game engine, but they've defined them as exploits and said you're not supposed to do this. And then if people are still doing them, they and I would say probably I'd say probably ninety percent of the transactions that occurred for the serpent suits uh, for the serpent suits probably occurred before any CCP communication was that's, on the matter. That's probably true, and I wouldn't I I would hope that people who didn't know any better uh, do not get banned. But you know, I I just I I would caution people not to take the risk on screwing around with those suits at this point. Well, they're on their. What if they just reversed all all transfers of ISK to the anybody who clearly was abusing it, and maybe they get a little bit screwed over, but it's better than having your account permabanned? 
might be an interesting alternative. Honestly, and, and this is a situation where CCP screwed up, so I think they kind of have to take the onus for it and not try to play punish the players. I I kind of like it's it was clearly broken. Like there's there's a fine line here, and like I I understand on the one hand where it's like well people didn't know, so that's why I'm thinking hey let's let's look into a way that. It's going to hurt because you're going to lose ISK and you might lose ISK that you had legitimately traded. But, you know, they don't have the technical resources to reverse anything. And hurting people who bought the things and didn't know is like is worse in my book than someone sitting around hitting the claim button however many times. I don't actually know how this thing yeah, works you can only, right now. You can only hit, like, the claim, but you hit the claim button once and then you get five suits. Honestly, what I would well, imagine is that whatever, they're going to... Just the point. They're going to run a script, and then it's going to remove whatever residual suits are on uh, whatever characters they end up on. So, like, stack if you have a stack of five suits, they're probably going to go away. The only problem is CCP has run these types of scripts in the past and had very bad results from them. Yeah, I'm expecting legitimate ones to disappear on the same, but, but you know, when they do that. Uh, I won't be surprised. Like, that's... Like, the issue isn't them vanishing, right? And we're, we're just talking about fairness where ISK transfers occurred. I just think that I'd probably err on the side of, of trying to protect anybody who accidentally bought them because they probably didn't know what was going on, as opposed to someone who maybe didn't hear anything when they were selling. And maybe, yeah, they get screwed over a little bit, but you're probably in major part hitting people who did know what was going on more so than than not. It's a sh- shitty situation, so it's an imperfect like solution, but sometimes that's kind of how it has to play. Did anyone want to talk about more fun the fun bug? Nah, go ahead man, teed up. We had one day which I wish I wish I'd had more time with this bug, but we did have one day where uh well, there's like a I think there were little things there was like a bunch of suits that had I think there was one suit that had two sidearms. It was like Min Light had two sidearms, but the <laughs> funnest one. Frame. Yeah, that was weird. But the funnest one was when Scouts had three equipment slots. Yeah, I totally enjoyed that. It was really nice having uh having um remote explosive on my running suit again. Is that what you did? Did you have what 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 what, what three did you pick out? Well, no, because um I just uh my um standard um really fast speed scout is uh uplinks and a scanner um because i use it in pc and i was finally able to put on put a remote explosive on that as well so it was fun getting people who don't check before they hack a point it's just you know it was satisfying that's always fun so yeah what i played with was um i had a i'd like made up a bunch of different suits but the only one I got any real number of time with was one that was basically just a Lodgy. It was just like, uh, what was it? I think it was just like scanner uh, reps. Um, I think I already put my uplinks before that. But yeah, it was just like, um, you know, it's basically just like a Lodgy. And, uh, but it had Nova knives on the suit. So I was running in between a bunch of blueberries I would rep. And then I would just, they clearly weren't doing anything. So I would just like go and just like flank and then like Nova knife kill and then run back. And then be a Lodgy again. And I don't think I've ever had the chance to play the game that way before. I can just hear the people who are frowning at us for, you know, taking advantage of this. Yeah, I can just hear students. the... There was the uh, Militia Mimitar medium frame, which it, it had 
two or three equipment. I think it's two equipment slots. I think that might have been intended or something. It goes along with the uh, frontline layout. And it also had two mm -hmm. sidearms. So it was like three high, three low, light weapon, two sidearms, two equipment. And I don't know, I'm kind of a proto scrub and I couldn't bear to put down my proto suit for very long. Yeah, make fun of me. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried I tried up on Motion Mimitar, I think, for like one life. So I know a bunch of people were having a party with it. But I, well, yeah, the, the two equipment slots, that's... Isn't that's like the medium uh, medium basic frames now have two two equipment slots on all tiers because um, that's actually that's a pretty good idea to to give them some value. Oh, and I also had the needle. Well, yes, the needle is good. It's always good to get to stab people. First, you stab the raspberries with a with a knife, and then you you know. But yeah, stab. the weird thing is because every lodgy's got four. Well, except the Amar has got four equipment slots now, so. In a weird way, it could have looked like it looked like it might have like I didn't know for sure, but it looked like it could have been like a natural natural progression almost. Like, okay, scouts have three now, lodges have four. So yeah, I was kind of I, freaking I out that it people, was gonna stay that way. I saw people trying to argue that on the forums, and I was like, yeah, no, that's going away. Just enjoy it while it lasts, but that's not staying. <laughs> so yeah, if anyone wants to see that bug, just just do a YouTube search for my scout as a lodgy. Uh, we're gonna definitely have to take a look at that. This definitely sounds a lot more fun than than the other one. Yeah. Anyone else? Actually, find yeah. any other? Uh, I think did, that's it for bugs. I'm not sure. Did the did the Apex suits actually get uh, slots? I mean, what... oh yeah. Here's what happened with the Apex suits: is though their their slot layout has all been updated to whatever the new proto slot layouts are, but CCP hasn't taken the time to fill in those extra slots. So. If you're playing like an Apex Commando or something, you might have an empty slot and you're high or low or something. That's yeah. uh, that's what they've done. Um, that's that's the thing that they've done before as, as well. Is when they updated when they update, updated the assault uh, layout, um, they net they didn't touch any of the prefit suits. So there have been plenty of suits running around with empty slots that were supposed to be you know filled prefits. So I that's not new. I was kind of curious which ones they actually took away because, like, I know on my uh, like my Kalaji Apex that they were going to drop a, a low slot. So I wonder, like, which ones did they drop? I don't know. I've never played Kalaji. Yeah, we don't have them memorized exactly. I mean, you can hop who, on. Who and check, plays you know, Kalaji uh, though? <laughs> um, well, Jay. Heroes. Does. Yes. How do you how do you live with not having I don't know a good suit bonus? Well, you, you don't live much because you're shield tank, and then uh, it, it is pretty situational. I, I've uh, trust me, I, I've I have long been a uh, a proponent that the slot layouts you can do all kind of shit with slot layouts, but the suit bonuses, particularly on the on the lodgy suits and the well, really suit bonuses on any suits, really what makes it uh, work or not, and and it it sucks pretty bad. You know, uh, the hives are kind of situational, and the fact that you know. They're kind of like where you drop them at your feet. They're just not as versatile as reptiles and scanners. It's just it's the bottom line. Yeah, not as mandatory as uplinks. Yeah, I, I mean the, the reality is that is uh, with the amount of carried the carried amount of equipment that anybody like an assault suit can carry, it really devalues any uh, anything that's a droppable piece of equipment in terms of links and and hives, uh, particularly I mean, hives. Yeah, uplink still that that Amar bonus to the to the speed of spawning in. That's still pretty worthwhile. It's not absolutely necessary or anything, but that's still decent bonus. But the yeah, the nano hive one is just kind of eh, who cares. 
Well, the the bandwidth is what makes us compete with, you know, assaults and stuff. Yeah, maybe they could drop down, you know, maybe they have lots of copies of equipment, whatever, but we cannot, we're the ones who, you know, Lodgers are the ones who can field the most stuff still by far, by double, basically. Yeah, sure. But I think the issue is if you look at what the value of the hive is, though, I mean, the reality is that um, not a lot of people straight up run out of ammo. Like either between the, the amount of uh, deaths that they're taking or the amount of raw hives that can be put on the field by any player. Uh, you could argue that probably something like the Allotech is uh, maybe the most useful hive because it can it can do some repping and it can give you, you know, deliver ammo. And we're coming, like in truth lending, we're coming triage hive on a fully protoed out Kalaji. You can do some serious rep work with that. I mean, that, that those things are pretty cool, but they're, again, they don't last very long. Uh, and also, as soon as you get popped, you start losing the bonus on that on that hive, even if the hive survives. And oh, does it work that another, way? Oh, yeah. There's oh, another. That, sorry, I hate to keep cutting you off. Oh, mm -hmm. there's also the bandwidth on nano hives, which I don't understand why it's proto, why they're different on each tier and why it's eight. It's like eight bandwidth on a proto nano hive. Yeah. On the oh, any isn't it any proto? Or? No, no, it's, no, it's just a triage. Triage hives, even the compact nano hives have an eight oh, bandwidth. Right. But that's what made the that's what made the triage nano hive go out of style was using eight bandwidth. Um, mm, well, if you're using it for your personal use, like if you're running assault and you carry compacts, all you got to do is just drop it at your feet, let it rep or soak your ammo, and then you can keep moving. And that's kind of part of the reason why the whole bandwidth issue really is is irrelevant when it comes to hives as well. Because while the logi can have more of the more more of them active, generally speaking, if you are in a salt suit running ammo, you drop the ammo when you need it or someone in your squad needs it, and then you move on. You really don't care if that hive gets popped when you drop the next one, because you know you've already moved on, and you also have so many of them carried that it's not really a problem anymore. So it's uplinks are the really only ones that matter. You know the bandwidth matters because you want to keep them active rather than just the moment when you put it down you actually want it to stay active so even that even that devalues the Kaldari logi you know having the bandwidth to have more of them down it it you know it doesn't yeah. really matter I, I mean the one of the other things and you, you guys touched on with the bandwidth comment that they also need to look at is sort of the bandwidth cost per per equipment of different types. I know Rattati has uh, you know, voiced a very logical reason of why he hates or has a displeasure for repping hives. I acknowledge that. However, if if the uplink was the more more valued piece of equipment, and, it's, and it is, you would think that that one would have the highest bandwidth cost. And then and I know it's one of those where you can you know, talk about lore and all this other jazz, but logically, Something that's basically creating a teleportation, you know, wormhole thingy would have a higher bandwidth usage than something that's basically a canister that yeah, lets a bunch but, of hives loose. So I'm so sorry, let me... fun fun before lore, because we don't well, we don't want the game to get structured so it has less uplinks. I mean, I'm a big believer well, in more uplinks sequels. Like, this is the thing, game. like they they don't have good spawning design, so they lean on uplinks. So it's really yeah. dangerous to make uplinks more scarce. You know, all the redline games that people complain about, it's hard to imagine that getting worse somehow because the game has so many little pieces that add up to as many snowball matches as we get in pubs. 
uh, decreasing uplinks will definitely do that. I yeah. like well unequivocally say that. You can definitely me later. see that because you can definitely see that effect in particularly domination acquisition. Also, is a good example, but it's not quite as quite as awful. But in Dom, if you're not playing with so-called competitive players who know that they need to carry uplinks, um, you just don't have anywhere to spawn. You literally have nowhere to spawn unless you bring your own uplinks because almost no one carries them. And then a lot of the lower tier suits just don't have the bandwidth for them anyway. Well, um, P a PG CPU, I think, should be lowered on newbie uplinks. I mean, and, and spawn agreed. time. Let's just, just, just make them more accessible to new players. You know, make them attractive to new players so we don't, you know... So we're not getting washed back to the red line if if we have a whole bunch of new players. We need other spawn mechanics though, in addition to uplinks. Yes, sure. though. yes but if we you know if we can't get that, the uplinks you know they're they're what we have now. There's something we can work with now as opposed to hoping for new spawn mechanics. I mean, so here's the question: how how high do we prioritize trying to get new spawn mechanics? Because it could happen, right? Mm -hmm. If enough people wanted it. But the problem is, if we lower the uplink thing now, they will probably more, be more powerful than whatever reasonably even-handed new uh, spawn mechanic might come in. And then, on top of everything else, we've got to do the argument of revoking the previous well, uplink I mean, changes. There's a, isn't there a problem, right? I mean, the I think they tried to do that when they put, you know, I think they tried to make crew putting crews on vehicles a little easier. Like, I think the hope was that the dropship crew thing would take well, over, they, but it just didn't take off. They didn't they try it right. Need to, they still need to work on that because the bug with it not being visible still hasn't been fixed. The fact that there's only one tier of it, you know, why would you use a 10-second crew if you have a 6-second se uplink, yeah. a 3-second uplink from an Amarology next to it? And Lethar, I, I agree with you in a sense, except for the fact that they have previously quite heavily nerfed uplinks without any sort of a like the game didn't end people didn't you know you know light fires simply because of that they increased the spawn times drastically they lowered spawn counts drastically um so i mean it can be done even you know even if they buff them or buff the lower tiers only for for you know a certain time period that doesn't mean that that can't be reversed uh, I don't necessarily disagree, and I, I'm more putting it out as a speculative point than necessarily saying that I, I enforce a conclusion. Um, there, this is going to sound oddly political, but basically saying that let's let's fix it now by spamming more uplinks is kind of uh, acceding the point that we're never we're not going to be pushing new spawn mechanics as a big yes. thing anytime See, soon. I don't, and that, I don't, I don't no, agree no. with the concept of it being spamming more uplinks because right now the issue of it is, yes, in PC, uplinks are used extensively. Proto uplinks are used extensively in PC and in some more of the more um, competitive faction warfare matches. But you go into pubs and a lot of the time there just aren't any. Or there's oh. that one 15 second link somewhere really random, and I mean, <laughs> in the that's of mine. The I always, I always run stable. Mm -hmm. I always run stable uplinks on my standard suit. But I know people and hate that, me, and that's and that's fine. <laughs> but it's still that one 15 second uplink is better than better, nothing, nothing if you're yeah. in a red line domination. However, the problem is that there's very few options. So when some douche puts that one uplink on a roof and the entire team spawns there and then you're in a situation where you're redlined except you're sitting on a rooftop 
because that's what your team spawns because that's their only option. And then they're just sitting on a rooftop doing nothing instead of sitting in the red line doing nothing. Honestly, because... I'd be willing to see it experimentally if they could look at that. I think it. I think it's hard to convey that it'd be interesting to see if newer players actually catch on to the concept. I think that the the uplinks themselves, of course, are new player experience is bad. They're not super well explained. Uh, they might be on some default fits, maybe not others. It'd definitely be interesting. Look, I'll, um, I'll... I don't think it'll solve redlining, though, because I'm pretty sure that uplinks themselves not having good spawn protection. And when you combine that with the, the scanning that goes on right now, especially, but even in the past, you're right. Anytime an enemy in a red line scenario catches an uplink, since it's pinpoint and not protected, which it should be, it's a spawn beacon, right? But since it's like that, it's kind of irrelevant. You know, in PC matches, people make good turnarounds with, uh, with uplinks because they have like three mm -hmm. people spamming them. And they spam them, so many of them, that it's just like nearly impossible to kill all of them. No, well, push, so. once once again, yeah, that's that's part of the picture. But I've always been more of a you know quality over quantity. Um, I, while I agree with you that when it's when it's a complete stomp match and the the you know the stomping team is just desperately trying to find something to kill, um, yes, one singular uplink being dropped doesn't doesn't you know necessarily mean that the game is going to get turned around however the one singular uplink that's put down way behind them while they're all sitting on the red line killing people who are trying to get out of the red line and someone makes it past them and you know on the other side of the map that can actually make a difference however that doesn't happen often enough um now when it's when it's not one uplink it's three uplinks that are in different locations you're starting to get a little bit more things going on but I mean, the problem, like, uplinks aren't going to solve the issue we have currently with with um, the way domination go, you know, domination Look, runs currently. Uplinks aren't going to change that. There's a lot of different things that would need Look, to be worked on. I just, I, I just honestly, I hate how much this game comes down to uplink and uplink control. Um, I really think that, yeah. th that spawn mechanics are something that's a major issue in terms of making this game have more fluidity and, and generally play better because the this everything comes down to, especially on the higher levels, I mean, it's almost always about uplink control. Uh, yeah. are, your up, are your uplinks where they need to be? Are they getting cleared out? Are you being able to spawn in? Are you dropping more uplinks? Or are you getting knocked out of the match? You know? Um, yeah. But that's a question of the the spawn mechanics in general being what they are. It would be awesome if they were better. It would be awesome if they would, you know, be worked on. It's but is it really um is it something that's doable? Is it something worth putting resources into? Oh. I we, we can't know that. But I mean, is it actually doable? It would yeah, be nice. So, well, I mean, you got the portals out there and that's something that that's can be explored. Um I think one of the downsides to it was that mm -hmm. they were not they were not conditional. So as as they were, they were just an object on the map and they didn't have any kind of logic associated to them where like, you know, if this is occurring in the battlefield, then have portals. It was just you well, have portals. Um I mean I mean, don't you it, have like there's a, I mean the problem with like the other other spawn locations like Cruise, is that they're hard coded as as far as I know they're hard coded into the maps the locations, but then you have uh then you have like the, 
domination one of the domination maps where you start with zero crews and then they got like they get periodically dropped down and yeah. they get dropped down like if you have if the objective is blue they'll drop a red crew like way behind you know on your side of the map and it's it's like I, that's actually the only really dynamic domination match that i've ever seen is because there's you know other alternatives than just uplinks on the point well i honestly i i think if we could have other me mechanics that replaced uplinks as a spawning mechanic would be better off um i mean this this whole fire and forget uplink spam it ends up uh, that I think is a huge contributor to people camping on roofs and you know you got you got people that drop uplinks and and then also I mean you could have this with other spawning mechanics too but you have end up you know putting the the heavies inside of a pen if, if anyone spawned a heavy with the little railing around you've probably familiar with that oh yeah I've been heavy trapped many times there's more dynamic ways to engage this the game in terms of uplinks and and or I mean and spawn mechanics and not only that I think Lyther makes it a really important point there's no way to get back from being redlined in a lot of cases and I think um, it all ties into this big blob of a problem that we have in this game right now which is the way we get into maps and the way we spawn into maps. Uh, results in one-sided fights a lot of times and not only that it's it comes down to almost all of your tactics and all that stuff come down to are you putting down your uplinks are you destroying your enemy's well, uplinks the really one-sided matches are what you get in domination and occasionally like not as much in acquisition but definitely in domination um pop skirmishes are much much more balanced and factional yeah if you're q-syncing against a you know team of you know, squads of three or four people and then randoms. Yeah, it's going to be one-sided. That's just the way it goes because that's the teams, not the maps. But, I mean, domination is a good example of of it not working, really. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen some skirms that have been more, more often than not, I was seeing skirms that were pretty imbalanced, but I would attribute that more to player count in the match than anything. Well, and let me, one of the reasons that I've harped on, on spawning mechanics now for ages, and you all hate me for it, or something, probably, <laughs> um, is that there's this big element of both the new player experience, and also, I, I've been concerned about this for a long time, and it ties into the leaving the match thing. There's so many pieces and parts of the psychological effects that go into why people just bail out of dust matches so quickly. And I feel like a big contributor is the spawning system right now. Because when you look at that map and there is nothing there, how many of you can honestly say that you, you relish the opportunity to hop in your scout suit and try to plant an uplink in somewhere knowing you're going to get gal scanned or something in two seconds after you drop it and uh, get swarmed over like other games like battlefield battlefield 3 i played a little bit of um before dust came out and it, it had a way too wonky for a tactical game spawn system you know they just let you spawn on like what anybody in your squad yep like and there are other games that have done that and it's total cop out it's not tactical at all but Nobody ever had problems getting to the action. And I feel like Tiracide has been a great step forward for lessening one of these the, the power 
divide one that tends to develop in matches where if you think you're losing, you degrade. And if someone thinks they're winning, they upgrade. And so you get this big gap in the equipment. So that's been repaired a little. So if now they could put better spawns in, then that means I could spawn in with my competitive suit in a better location. Well, sorry, that just goes with my point of... The tier side's been great, but that just tier side right now tier side. This is the perfect moment to cut down those basic uplink spawn times, and especially C, CP PGU. You know, yeah, like cut all that stuff down for new players. There doesn't need to be a 15 second uplink. Nobody wants to spawn on a 15 second uplink, and nobody wants to equip an up militia uplink when it takes like. 50 60 percent of your pg cpu like cut all that way down and neat. let bring let i i know a lot of things need to be fixed with the spawning system whatever but bring the new players in that way well you know what in equipment in general the the tiering of equipment is atrocious horrendous like, oh i mean like what happened we had used to have standard gauge uplinks we yep. used we used to have st- uh, you know flux links on every tier uh we used to have you know all of getting rid of standard and advanced variants of equipment items that are present on the proto level has just made it to where it's like okay if you're running equipment especially if you're a logic or something it's proto or nothing what you have standard stuff get away from me you know um and i think that's something that needs to be addressed because i mean well i don't know it just you end up with just crap uh, uh you know in terms of your choices for standard equipment I agree. I can't run. I can't run not proto links and not proto reps anymore. Other stuff, it's negotiable. But well, the, I mean, the links you can kind of work around with. Uh, I mean, mostly because you're if you're actually running links, uh, oftentimes it won't matter what you're running because you'll be like the only dude in the match running links. Well, the the bigger, you know, but writ large, equipment across the board is it's pretty tough. It's the the gap between standard. Well, really, standard advanced as one bucket versus proto is huge. And I, I, like rep tools, unless you're running a fully maxed out min logi, there's no rep tool that you're going to mount up that's, you know, less than proto level that's worth a damn. Something I really think that they should consider with the uplinks that actually would make it, and maybe even equipment in general, especially with this bandwidth mechanic that we have now, the whole max, I think the max active thing just needs to go out the window. And it needs to just be, I mean, think about if you're, especially if you're a Logi player, how many times you say, okay, this is my, you know, let's say if you're, let's say if you're running advanced, like this is my suit with P13 uplinks. This is my suit with flux uplinks. Yep. This is my suit with yep. R9 uplinks. Okay. Okay. If I spawn in this suit, now I need to spawn this suit to make sure that I don't kill this uplink because I can only have, they just, what they need to do is they need to scrub all of this max active stuff. They need to say, okay. We've got bandwidth. Let's embrace this bandwidth idea and say you could throw down as many uplinks as you want until you hit your bandwidth, or you could throw down as many of this as you want until you hit your bandwidth. Granted, that would make things like uh, the gauged uplinks redundant, but I think that would be acceptable. Um, maybe even the you know make stuff. Now that, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I wish they wish they'd go that way. You, you mean mm. in terms of like switching to a different suit and maintaining it? No, I mean in terms of forcing this the whole suit switch. Like, let's say yeah, I, I'm I, not following you. Okay, okay the, I, let, let's simplify. If I have three, let's say I have a more logistics, and I have three sets of of R9 uplinks, I should be able to throw out six R9 uplinks. 
rather than one set of R9 uplinks canceling out the other R9 uplinks. Or better yet, I have one stack of R9 uplinks in one slot, and I can throw out as many R9 uplinks as I want until I hit my bandwidth cap. I, I mean, I have okay, mixed, so right. Sorry, a, no, my, you go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It, it doesn't matter. I, I was just clarifying. So you're just saying that they, they still do have that max active thing per pool that they've been running for a long per time. Item. No, yeah, they, I could, I, I'm surprised that actually is still there. It needs to be it needs to be nuked and by nuked you could just easily just say um, put the max active to like 30 for every item like that's like, you know, like half that's like half a day of dev time if even that of if basically say max active 32 or something, you know, or whatever the max maximum bandwidth is for a logi. Um, and you know, that would make it to where, uh, in only that it would be a buff to Logis to a certain extent. You wouldn't necessarily have to run, uh, the uplink suits. You wouldn't have to necessarily run like five freaking, you know, you wouldn't have to run a whole rack of uplinks to be an uplink person. You could uh, I would, just I would be, careful, I'd be careful what you say when I, I hear this periodically and it's really not a jab, but when people say something's a buff to Logis, that's because they don't play it very often. Usually mm. that's not I a mean, buff. I, Sorry, I, I want to cut in here be before buff, we lose it... the lose the whole idea there. Um, I just, I sort of, Kane, I just sort of have mixed feelings on what you proposed. I mean, generally, I am a fan of kind of simplifying any any system, but at the same time, those of us who've played Logi and have kind of gone through the trouble of figuring out how to master, okay, how do I put all the uplinks on the field that I can. How do I how do I get the most out of each individual uplink and my bandwidth and all that stuff? When you've put when you've put the you know when you've put the trouble into mastering that, and then that's just kind of taken away from you. It makes you a less special logi. So I just I, I, I have trouble watching that stuff get undercut when you put up the skill that, and it just gets washed away. I think that's just a non-argument. Uh, the thing is, you need to. It's something the bandwidth is put into place in order to prevent equipment spam, and I think it made the whole max active on equipment somewhat redundant. Um, there's no reason that a Logi shouldn't be able to carry uh, an uplink, a uh, hive, a needle, or an uplink, a hive, and a rep tool, or something like that, rather than having to be like R9 uplink and L11 flux uplink. You know, I mean, if you're running standard tier, I mean, to me, forcing. Uh, uh, Logi players. I mean, I play. I'm probably a Logi or a Scout 90% of the time. Um, I'm forcing Logi players to have like a bazillion different fits just to maintain for maintaining uplinks. Okay, I got my Visium gauged here. Now I've got my Imperial Visium with the fast spawn timer on this suit, and then Imperial Visium with the normal spawn timer on that suit. So I'm going to spawn this suit first and then do that. it's just what I'm saying is it, it adds a pain point to the players for no, not really any real tactical gain. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, there's a lot of interesting stuff that we're kicking around right now. So uh, kind of in the interest of time and being able to cover a little bit more ground, what I'd like to do is real quick, we'll go, we'll start at the top of the list and work our way down. We're going to do a really, really fast. What's the, uh, the best thing or the worst thing, basically the, the one thing that stands out about the Warlords 1.2, uh, just from everybody real quick, and then we're going to bounce over to our last topic for the show. So, uh, Heracles, we'll start with you. What's the, the biggest thing that stood out in your mind about the 1.2 uplink or 1.2 uh, patch? Excuse me. Well, there's being able to sell Apex suits. Uh, I think that's going to have a huge impact. Uh, I sold my first one for $40 million. I'm hoping to get more for the for a couple more that I want to sell, but um, 
I don't know. I should probably save that discussion for an entire another show. Okay. All right, brother. Uh, Kane, how about you, man? I would have to say eight-man squads uh, in Faction Warfare. It's really it's a shame that it wasn't a 16-man team deploy. Um, I think that would be even more of a boon. But we have been able to – we have a crew that uh, jump-starts Faction Warfare right after downtime. And we've actually started uh, all four factions within an hour of downtime now. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, Lether. Um, I'd say seeing uh, the suit flattening and team deploy in the same patch is – and with PC changes. Those three things are both shocking to me and an enormous relief because I've been complaining about both of them for at least the tier side and uh, team deploy for like two and a half years. It's like – I actually can't believe it's real. Yeah, you're probably going to wake up from a dream. It's not. Uh, okay, Zell? I uh, I applied Quaif skins to literally every fit I have. Hmm, okay. Well, That's, that I'm, doesn't I'm surprise me. truly excited that uh, the skins are, are splitting from the VPOs and I can apply them is, to all the things. Everything it, will be pink. Is it true that one of your alts is Liberati's Weasel? I'm pretty sure I've seen that on a kill board somewhere. That's, that's not true. Okay. All right, Pokey? Uh, without a doubt, the flattening of slots. I think it's the uh, one of the best things that's happened to the game, so I'm really glad to see that. Okay. Uh, Silver? Uh, it's got to be the PC changes for me. There are There's still a lot of work that can be done just for the interface, just for all the mechanics, everything. Rating still needs to come about sometime, but the PC changes have to be my favorite thing so far. All right. Good deal, Silver. Zarya? Well, I don't want to repeat stuff that other people have already said, but... I mean, specifically the command points thing I find to be interesting. And it's a really neat way of um, of following who's actually active. And it gives people this competitive edge. I mean, at least in my corp, there's like, I need to get all my command points. So I'm at the top of the list. <laughs> so it gives people a reason to play more, I guess, for now. For okay. now. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's go to our last guest. All right, so what did you think for the uh, for the Warlords 1.2 update? What do you think? Well, what I really think is that uh, if you notice on the UI, there's a contributions tab now. And what you can do, basically, you can see uh, how many command points people are making for the corp. You know, and it's really, really uh, good. It's a powerful tool for corp CEOs, you know, and it's something that we've been looking at. I, I looked at a very similar formula when I was in uh, California, a few years ago, I mean, I was the governor there for a little while, but uh, we, we were very interested in understanding how much uh, people would contribute to, um, you know, the corporation or the government, you know, if, as we were looking. And it's very interesting because it gives you some good meta gameplay because what you can do is get an alt, you know, or a spy into somebody's corporation. And what they can basically do, it's, it's almost like Skynet, guys. They kind of look into your corporation. They can see who is doing the work and, and you know, where where you need to apply pressure or, or can they attack you or something like that. But it's one of those things. I, I'm incredibly, incredibly happy that CCP was listening to my good friend Jadik Minheim and they added the contributions tab. So uh, I did want to give shout out to the uh, to the contributions tab and CCP Ritadi for that one. Uh, I would also like, you know, Jay, I, he told me it was, this was okay, but uh, if you have not seen Terminator Genesis, I, I really, really would appreciate it if you go check it out. It's uh, we, We've had a lot of fun making that movie. 
And as you'll notice there's like 15 Terminators all over the place with it. So please go check out Terminator Genesis and the contribution tab. All right. Thanks I lot, really man. like that uh, Arnold is uh, supporting the LGBT community. Hey, hey, it's all good. So, so we've seen the movie now, huh? Uh, I've seen, I've seen the movie. Yes, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm sorry, what just happened? <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, I thought it was pretty decent. I mean, I know it had a few bad reviews, but uh, I, I mean, when you when you go see a Terminator movie, to some degree, you already know what you're going to get there, and I think that they uh, they delivered fairly well. Uh, it, yeah. it was it was a fun movie. If you take it, I mean, just the, it was literally like an homage to. Uh, all the other Terminator flicks. And it, it was actually, I thought, fairly well done. The plot is just full of holes left and right, but it was it was a fun movie to see. They, they, they thankfully kind of said, oh, Terminator 3 and 4, uh, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. So on that note, uh, as we move into to probably one of the more uh, interesting parts of the show, our non-dust-related stuff, which we're going to go through kind of quick. So if you're if you're interested in these kind of things, this is awesome. Continue to listen. If you're not interested in these kind of things, that's cool. Just continue to listen. It'll be fine. Uh, so there's this thing called – it's just like a little get-together. I mean, it's a really, really kind of backwater kind of thing called the San Diego Comic-Con that's going on. And they've got like I don't know what that is. Is that is that something that happens? It is kind of a thing. It's it's usually it's a thing where people like you will go and hang out at. Let me put it that way. And uh, it's where people like me will just watch on YouTube instead of showing up and waiting in line three days to put their fake Spock ears on. I want to know why there aren't more Dust Five One Four cosplayers. Well, there's Denny Fleetfoot, and uh, if you've ever seen him, he well, he's not. He's probably the best representative sample that we have of Dust cosplayers. I'd, I'm not familiar with him. He's he's a, a member of our CPM. In fact, he was. Well, that the, probably that probably tells you how much he talks to people outside of his own little circle of like five or six people. Full body tributes. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, he does not have a figure for that either. He is he spandex and him not not a good combination. Oh, I'm but, just saying that's why it's so difficult. That's why we see so few because it's that still, like it's just the such same. A, no, well, on it's, the other hand, you could say we don't rough. know what the clones look like inside the, you know, armor. No. So I mean, I'm pretty sure that so they what don't look like do that. Should do a t-shirt. Pretty much. Get a t-shirt and just say this yeah. is my own. Right. Just wrap yep, yourself yep. in duct tape and say it's an Amar Scout, a Mimitar Scout drop suit. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty legit. Yeah, I'll buy that. I mean, actually, believe it or not, I thought the uh, was that Neil Blomkamp movie uh, with uh, Matt Damon just came out like a. Like uh. last year. Oh, uh, uh, I have to. I, I actually agree with Sarai. I agree with uh, Sarai's assessment. No, I think it's good. All I'm saying is that that does actually look like, in my mind, what Mimitar drop suits look like. Some some dude with a bad haircut and like an exoskeleton and a t-shirt and jeans. So anyway, San Diego Comic Con. There's been some interesting stuff that came out. So uh, obviously, probably the three biggest pieces of well, four biggest pieces of news that came out that folks are are uh, in this circle probably fairly interested in. They did have the X-Men Apocalypse uh, trailer, which apparently got a lot of people really liked, which was pretty cool. Uh, I didn't get to see any of that video. They've already ganked that one off the interwebs uh, before I could find it. Apparently got got very good reviews. Um, they did have some more Star Wars Force Awakened news in a big panel and all that kind of stuff. I have not seen the videos on that one yet, so it should be kind of interesting. But the two that I thought were most interesting, and actually the two that I saw. Uh, one would be the Superman versus Batman uh, trailer, like the, the full HD trailer. 
That thing is fucking bomber. It is going to be awesome. Uh, I was incredibly Superman impressed Superman v. That. Batman is going to be a terrible movie. Hey, Soraya, could you go back to not paying attention to the podcast like you usually no. do? Because it no, really I, makes I, the show so I much better for I just decided I can else. pay attention now because apparently I, I'm... So oh, wait. I know why. Because we're not talking about dust. Because God exactly. knows you don't pay attention to dust. <laughs> no, um, so I've been trying to figure out... Um, I've been uh, troubleshooting back uh, that uh, our website was down. And, yeah, uh, saw that. So it, it looks like uh, it should... Uh, Maybe be ba- on its way back up. I'm actually getting it back now, so I, th- I think we're good. So now I can pay attention again, and that it, Superman v Batman's just gonna be a terrible movie. I I don't know why anybody would think otherwise. I well, at at the risk of at the risk of opening up a a can of pink and flurry weasel whoop ass. Um, why do you say that? I'm curious about that. It's it's you know, it's just not. It, it's the whole. It's it's the Man of Steel thing. It's it's just it's so much. For the sake of, we're doing a gritty reboot for the sake of being gritty, not for, like, I, I, I just, I don't see any quality in it. It just seems tacky. It just seems dull. I, right. I don't know. So, at this point, just so everybody knows, we know that CCP Rashadi does listen to the podcast every once in a while. Usually when Zell's not talking is when he listens, but I think yeah. in this case, he's probably going to make an exception. Right now... He's staring at his computer. He's got his headphones on, and he's giving you his best Christian Bale. I, I know, I know. Ritati's a fa- Ritati likes uh, like is looking forward to Superman v Batman. I think so. This narration makes me feel super awkward. Like no, the the, okay. the format just sounded like that was opening up to, and he's doing <laughs> his best Christian Bale impression. No, it, well, I can just I, I I could totally see him. He's like you know, Soraya's on Skype with him. Who do you think you are? I'm rad, man. So it, it happens. <laughs> well, but he would have to say it in a very Viking-like accent. I, I so. think you. I think you had too much caffeine today, Jay. What's What's up with all the accents today, specifically? Is it's, you're really you're really uh, going all out? No, I, I'm actually just enjoying the enjoying the show a bit. But I- anyway, the trailer itself, by the way, it, unlike for those of you haven't seen it. Uh, well, you were quieter normally. That usually means my enjoyment for the show goes up. But oh well, well that's we why you enjoy that. this because with the whole he's, CPM interview thing, I'm not allowed to talk for like half the show. He's really, really enjoying the fact that he won't be doing it for a little while, so he's kind of like <laughs> you know looking forward to that. I, oh, he's, st- lo- he's stacking well, up all the impressions in. Advance. I'm looking forward to listening to you try to run this show when I'm not here. <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, so, but, hey, Zari, but, do you want to host the show for a few weeks? That would probably increase the quality of the show. That's no shit. Uh, on, on a related note, okay, I would like to say that uh, they did actually officially release the HD version of the Batman vs. Superman trailer. So whether you, whether you think you like it or not, that's okay. But I do recommend you check it out because it, it does, I think, at least look pretty good. And for the most of the free world, they also think it looks good. And we'll let Zell have his opinion, which he rightfully deserves. Not everybody will like the movie, but... They're probably going to die lonely deaths anyway. That's fine. Uh, more importantly, though, and probably the news of the evening, uh, they also had a uh, a screening of the of a Deadpool trailer. Well, it's not really a trailer. It's just more like cuts of footage because they certainly can't say the things that they say in that trailer on a trailer that you're going to see on TV. Uh, but it was, uh, for lack of a better term, definitely rated R, hilarious, and it looked fucking incredible. Uh, I was incredibly impressed. They definitely hit the hit the nail on the head with the uh, with the character. Ryan Reynolds is absolutely hilarious as Deadpool, uh, and anybody that can throw out the term "crumb plated cock gobbler" and then get a laugh, you 
kind of hard to kind of hard to argue with that one. So that was your daily Deadpool from uh, JPool. Is if you can find it on the interwebs, it's an incredible little cut of film. And if not, they're probably going to release it in HD in about a month and a half or so. So highly, highly recommended. And apparently that thing absolutely killed at uh, Comic Con. Got huge reviews. I had kind of mixed feelings about Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool, but I have to agree, it does look awesome. Well, one of the things, he's, it's actually, it's, this is probably one of the things that won't survive contact with a, uh, with like a TV trailer, but one of the lines he has in there, they've, they've got him like strapped down to a gurney, he's going into the little weapon, weapon X facility where he's going to get created into Deadpool basically. And he, and the guy's like, you know, we're going to make you better. We're going to make you almost like a superhero. And he's like, really? Well, like when you make my suit, don't make it green. And don't make it animated. I saw that. I yeah, was that was good. Hilarious. I think that deserves to be in there. Him mocking himself yeah, makes absolutely. it somewhat forgivable because <laughs> that was a bad movie. It was, yeah, it was, and they, they definitely had a they had definitely had a lot of fun with it. So I, I thought that was actually uh, pretty slick of their slick on their part. I did. Uh, I do too. That's the only reason you can forgive him for being that bad a Green Lantern. Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, the guy—he's—he's basically doing karaoke DMX while he's like slaying people with, you know, pistols and swords on the bridge too, which was not bad either. You had bear in mind with Green Lantern too is you—you can't blame a bad movie on like just an like a single person. It when you put that much money and that 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 much you know that many people into a project like that. It's generally a combination of an incredible number of failures, and I don't think any other actor could have made that movie a good movie either. Yeah, that, that's, that's that. true, but at the same time, there's some actors who are so great they can kind of rescue a film. Like Jurassic World was kind of I, a subpar I, movie, but Chris Pratt kind of rescues it. Yeah, I didn't see it. I, I'll probably see it in a cheap theater or something, but I did hear that the only good thing about that movie was Chris Pratt. It still made a shitload of money, though. Oh, well, that's... so does so does every Transformers film, man. Yeah, no, that, that's even, true. I didn't like Jurassic World. I mean, it, it the pretty dinosaurs were pretty, but like it had one too many wink plot holes. It just it, nothing about it makes coherent sense from any like logic that doesn't occur in a dream, and it it got to me. Eventually. I stopped looking for coherent well, sense in a lot of you things. You didn't say anything when you talked about Terminator Genesis. Like, what, what's this? I didn't watch Terminator Genesis. All right, all right. I don't. I don't know. Like Jurassic World. You know, it's if you want to go see a dinosaur movie, like you know Jurassic. Anyway, anyway it, I'm not. I'm not going to say it had an amazing plot, but I'm going to say I enjoyed the movie is, just why, as Jay said he would you enjoyed see Terminator a, Genesis. Why would you want to see a you know movie about dinosaurs? Why do you want to see a movie about Terminators? I mean, I mean, really, come on, guys. I haven't seen either of them because I really don't. I didn't. My family <laughs> wanted to see it. All right. So, so before we go too crazy, and since we since we brought Lethar into the conversation, I've got to ask, man, what was it like working on the set of Batman versus Superman? Like, if you've if you've never been to a Hollywood studio, and and first of all, the application is just just awful. You're there for ages. They they give you maybe a little bit of water. You know, I brought coffee, and everybody was giving me weird looks. That I had Starbucks. I guess I'm some sort of like you know anti hipster. Should have gone to the local shop in in Hollywood or whatever. You get through that, and, and then you're on this set, and well, anyway, uh, essentially green duct tape can be the Minmatar Scout from now on, because that's what they had me wrapped up in. And That's incredible. So in case you guys didn't know, Luther's real name is Jesse Eisenberg, and he will be playing Lex Luthor in the Batman vs. Superman movie. And if you don't believe me, 
listen to the clip, close your eyes, don't look at it, just listen to it, and then think of the voice that you just heard. It's Lether. I believe. I'm I'm fairly confident that that it's it's actually it, it is actually Lether. And I remember when I was watching that for the first time, uh, when I saw that uh, that this morning, the first thing that popped in my mind was, is that is that Lether? Oh my God, so, he's Lex. So Lether. wait, I, I wish I had mental acuity to to spin off one-liners like that. I... Yeah, it, it was pretty good though. It, it, Sorry, it's now I'm good. imagining Lex Luthor as a female, and it's not a pro- it's not a bad image. Well, he definitely has the hair in this iteration. So, ooh, well, he's got like Prince Valiant hair in uh, in this one. So. Oh, no, no, that's not good. No, no. Nah, it, it works. Uh, let's see what else they pop up here. If any of you guys are fans of the Arrow, uh, the Arrow TV show, uh, Stephen Amell came out in character in his new costume. Uh, to put up the trailer, it's actually pretty cool. He really played up to the crowd. It was really fun. Yeah, he's a, um, that that show's really come along. I mean, I, I actually I, I watched it in season one mostly to make fun of it because I thought it was really soap soap opery. But they they really picked it up after that, and it's been it's been a really good last two seasons. Yep. No, I mean they, they've DC has struggled with movies quite a lot, but they do DC TV can't shows movies. pretty well. They just they just can't with movies. But yeah, they're, they're TV shows. It's, it's, it's the same actually two like two producers that have made, um, arrow and the flash and they're behind the, the legends of tomorrow series and the Supergirl series coming, you know, in the next year. And those people, they really, if they, if DC wants to fix their movie franchise, fire everyone involved in it and just tell the TV people to make that you're making movies now too. I like that DC officially made Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy, a lesbian, lesbian couple now. I had not seen that. Wait, what? Apparently there's a big Twitter storm about it. I, I don't think that... I, I, I haven't heard this before, but it just... The whole thing... How do they explain that away, her whole f- obsession with the Joker? I mean, I, I couldn't say that she's lesbian no, she's, by definition. The whole thing she, is that she's, she's, to be she's a heartbroken... And she's left the Joker, and then she's finding herself without the Joker. That's kind of... That's part of the plot. Of Harley Quinn. Mm. It's Harley Quinn after the Joker. Okay. Well, I, I would definitely have to see how that one kind of works out. The, this uh, is so deep, man. Well, okay. So now that we've kind of, we've clearly jumped a shark at this point, although I, I had not caught up on that one. I will have to do some interweb researching. Um, <laughs> I think what we're going to need to do is actually probably guide this thing back down and uh, we're going to start to land and plane on this one. So, uh, what we're going to do is going to throw, throw out some shout-outs. We'll start again at the top of the list and work our um, way down. Can I, Go ahead. Uh, okay, do you mind before that if I do a little promo on my YouTube, or would I be pinching too much? No, go ahead. That's what shout-outs are for. All right, shouting out myself. Desperate for your next Dust514 video fix? I have just the place for you, boasting over 250 uploads in a seven-month period. Heracles Porsche YouTube has those special Dust 514 videos you just can't find anywhere else, like Gossip, the latest fashion trends in Apex Quafe skin modules, KTB rivalry videos, officer gear footage, planetary conquest footage, special event footage, and even Dust 514 music videos. Never be far from scratching that Dust 514 itch with the Heracles Porsche YouTube channel. Okay, Uh, and... Yep. Also, one thing that you brought up, we may be looking for a sponsor for a burgeoning market that we found in biomass. So just prior to us coming on live on the on the show tonight, well, we determined that dust needs, i.e. 
the video that Dust deserves, not the one it wants, is for us to live stream the one and the only Soraya Zell on Dust. And then the cast of the Biomass show sits around and goes, Mystery Science Theater 3000, full bore, and offers helpful advice, critiques <laughs> even of Soraya's his, uh, his aiming, his ability to move, and his ability to get wrecked, and his ability to get pwned. And his ability to generally being an impediment and large fucking boat anchor for anybody else on his team. So, uh, can can we put him like on one faction and then like can I like get all my guys to like get on the other side at the same time? I don't I don't think we're going to be able to make this thing any worse than it would be whether we we monkeyed that's, with it or not. King, that's what the leave match button is literally built for. Oh my goodness gracious! So anyway, as we move on down, uh, Mr. Sparrow, anything for shoutouts for you? A, a shout out to um, the actually Warlords 1.2 because this is a lot of things that people have been wanting to see for a long time. Uh, it's had some kind of hilarious bugs, but overall it seems to be going okay. Um, and also to the Dust community for sticking it out with this game and continuing to play. And to Negative Feedback Alliance. Okie dokie. Uh, Lether. Uh, yeah, I uh, hmm, I don't really have a good one cooked for this one. Shouts to the social justice warriors out there. Oh, well played. Okay, yeah. By the way, all of you people that were, like, throwing hate and stupidity on CCP Phoenix, fuck off. Um, all right, Pokey. Or, correction, Zell. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give my shout-out to this this random dude named Evan at HostGator for figuring out why my uh, uh, the biomass.net domain was randomly redirecting to some domain in Switzerland. Um it Are you sure it wasn't Finland? I'm pretty sure that Zarya was jacked into the Matrix. No, no, it was definitely okay. it was definitely Switzerland. Um, they still really was there chocolate me, involved. They didn't give me a real precise answer on how it happened, but uh, I'm guessing that that they don't want to share that for security reasons. But uh, yeah, so our site's back up. Come visit our blog, see our stuff. Um, you know. Alrighty, Pokey. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Satoru Iwata. That's the president of Nintendo. He unfortunately passed away today, so. Uh, you know, shout out to his friends and family and fans. It's a real loss. Uh, I grew up with those games, and it's it's sad to see him go. Okay. All right. Uh, Silver Strike. All right. Um, shout out to Porsche because I couldn't get through saying what he just said in his uh, shout out. That's just impossible <laughs> to me. Shout out to you, Jason, because the wrestling promos were great, and I wanted more of them, but I didn't feel like asking for them because that would ruin it. Um. And shout out to CPM candidate Darth Carbonite, who I keep telling to come on here and do CPM things. But he, uh, his excuse today was he was too tired. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, we we can't have Darth on this on this uh, podcast because then you know no one would want to listen to any of these other fuckers again. That voice. That's true. <laughs> that's that's really true. All right, uh, Zarya. Um. Well, I want to give a shout out to uh, Ritati for. You know, rolling out this uh, this update and um, and then you know, finally getting on with the PC 2.0. Um, it's a good start. Happy to have it. And also shout out to all my boys in OH, but particularly Richard for uh, being generally awesome and French and awesome. All right. So for shout outs, um, let me see. All right. To all my little dust maniacs, I want to tell you from the bottom of the, of the duster's heart, let me tell you, brother, I see you. I see you out in the community. I see you typing up a storm. I see you getting slayed and slaying out in the matches. But I'm telling you, 
The only thing you can do is you just got to keep getting back in there. You got to eat your vitamins. You got to sweat. You got to lift them weights. You got to shoot that plasma rifle. And you got to keep going. And you got to fight. And you got to fight. And you got to claw your way to the top of the PC market, folks. And I'm telling you, if you just keep going one day, you too, you too can match the 24-inch pythons, the massive assault HMGs called Thunder and Lightning of the one and the only Jason. Orison. And with that, folks, we're going to go ahead and call episode 62 a close. Good night and good luck.